Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome here to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians, where we meet each Sunday and at different times during the week to connect with that which we hold as sacred and divine. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Janine Powell, and I'm a member of this congregation, and I'll be leading today's service as our minister Sarah is away having a break, and she'll be back to leading next Sunday. Our service theme today may bring up some feelings such as sadness for you, so I encourage you to take care of yourself. And if you wish to, feel free to pop out um, during the service. So let's start with some opening words. We bring with us the memories and experience of our week and the emotions that have arisen, the happy, the sad, the indifferent. And as you sit here this morning, may you find something which speaks to you of your most pressing need. May the troubled find peace. May the confused find clarity. May the downhearted find comfort. May the burdened have their loads lightened. May the lonely find a sense of companionship. And may the strong find moments of challenge, learning and growth. We're going to light our chalice and two candles on our Advent wreath, and I'm going to ask Heidi to light them. Now, I'm lighting two candles out of four because um, today is actually the second Sunday of Advent, which means two more Sundays and two more candles, and then it will be Christmas. And uh, for me, the significance of these candles is, above all, bringing a bit of light to the (coughs) darkest day of the year. And we light our chalice as Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist congregations do the world over. We now enter into a time of prayer and reflection where I invite you to come into connection with that which you hold to be of divine and of most worth. Divine Spirit of life and love, be with us now as we acknowledge the variables of life, the good times and the bad times. In our bad times, when we may feel despair and have lost hope in ourselves, in humanity, or in ever being able to create lasting change and justice, in our much hurting world. At these times, may we have someone, whether friends, family or a community, 
to turn to, as well as being someone who, at other times, can help others through their pain, even if it's in just one small way. And in our happy times, in our celebrations and triumphs, help us to come together and share this with others, allowing it to be a reminder to all that there is good in the world, acts of love and kindness, signs of hope and joy. Let us briefly turn our attention inwards now and silently send our loving thoughts and prayers to those people and places in our world who need it today. And in this spirit, may we continue in our endeavours to show compassion, acceptance and healing to ourselves and others in this world so that love, peace and justice may prevail. So may it be. Amen. It's a Christmas reflection by Sue Townsend. We can be film stars just for one day. I grew up in a prefab with an asbestos roof and breeze block walls. On winter mornings I would wake up, crawl from beneath my army greatcoat blankets and marvel at the frost patterns on the inside of my bedroom windows. It was so cold that apart from the living room where there was a real coal fire, In every other room of the tiny house, our breath was visible. However, Christmas Day was quite magical. When my sisters and I were allowed into the living room for Christmas morning, it was like entering Aladdin's cave. Streamers and homemade paper chains were hung from the ceiling. Bunches of balloons were drawing pinned in each corner, and a Christmas tree twinkled with glass balls and novelty ornaments. The sideboard was piled with plates of mince pies, sausage rolls, coxes, pippins, tangerines and dates. The centrepiece was a homemade Christmas cake covered in white icing that my mother had fashioned to look like snow. On the left was an artificial slope that Santa and the reindeers appeared to be galloping down. On the right was a tiny church and towering over it a jolly snowman wearing a black top hat. The coal fire would be banked high and would be throwing out a terrific heat, but best of all were the presents. Each of us had our own filled pillowcase, and for a glorious half hour we would unwrap them in a frenzy of excitement. Then, as the turkey cooked in the oven and the Christmas pudding was steaming on top of the stove, I would collect up my presents and take them to my icy bedroom, put them on my bed and gloat over them. I would always be given lots of books. Well, I would start to read immediately, breaking off reluctantly, reluctantly to eat my Christmas dinner, which we ate wearing paper hats from the crackers that had been placed beside our plates. 
As soon as dinner was eaten and the washing up had been done and put away, I would resume reading. Sometimes I would be called in to play one of the board games that had been given to one of my sisters. I was not a good games player. I was not competitive, I didn't pay attention, and I didn't care who won or lost. I just wanted to get back to my reading. A few hours after my dinner, my mother would start to prepare the Christmas tea. The table would be reset with cold turkey, pickles, salad, cakes, trifles and fancy biscuits, and we would start to eat. Again. Sometimes relations joined us for tea. Alcohol would be drunk, and everyone would be expected to do a turn, to sing a song, tell a joke, dance or recite a poem. I marvelled at the transformation of my relations. These ordinary-looking people, who worked long hours in Leicester factories, now looked as handsome and beautiful as film stars. The men were in their best suits with brilliant hair and tiny shoes. The women had lost the wrap. The women had lost the wrap around aprons and turbans they usually wore, and reinvented themselves with Max Factor and makeup and twink home perms. For my family, Christmas Day and Boxing Day was a time of enchantment when they, the working poor, enjoyed the illusion that they were rich, carefree, good-looking and could put as much coal on the fire as they blinking well wanted. Because on the 27th, unless it fell on a Sunday, they had to rise in the dark, put on their work clothes and go back to the factories, making the nation's socks, underwear, boots and shoes. In contrast to our first reading, we now have a reading of extracts by Unitarian Universalist minister Carl Gregg, who writes about a Christmas time when for him, his days weren't merry and bright. When I was a sophomore in college, I lived in a dorm with a particularly close-knit group of students. One October night, a car filled with five of my friends was hit by another car who ran a red light. Four of the five freshmen escaped with minor abrasions, but my friend Greg was thrown through the front windscreen and suffered massive trauma. The wreck happened the day before Halloween, on the edge of the holiday season. By Thanksgiving, Greg had still not emerged from his coma. When his accident first happened, the entire college and larger community were shaken, and there was a heartfelt outpouring of emotion and support. But as time passed, other responsibilities began to demand people's attention. Life, for most people, returned to normal. But returning to life as normal before the accident was of course impossible for Greg and his immediate family. And those of us who had lived with him on the same hall continued to feel a relentless sadness. As the Christmas holidays approached that year, I remember sitting with a group of friends from that hall in a dark alcove in the college's dining hall. I remember us collectively looking out at the rest of the brightly lit dining hall, which was festively decorated for the holidays. Everyone seemed so animated, happy and carefree. Their loud, jovial conversations were such a stark contrast to our sombre mood. Holiday music was playing in the background, and none of us felt particularly merry and bright. Of course, we didn't know what was really going on inside the heads and hearts of all those other students. But that evening in particular, it seemed like everybody had moved on with their lives, (coughs) except us. The holiday season of 1997, I had much to be grateful for. Friends, family, meaningful work, 
But there was also an accompanying sense of sadness as my friends and I lived with the loss of Greg's presence from our daily lives. And we were regularly reminded of how much Greg's life had changed in an instant. When our emotions are drastically out of joint with the rest of society, it's not always clear how we should be or act. As it was for me in 1997, this disjointedness can be particularly difficult for people during the holidays when we are surrounded by societal expectations and pressure. Carols proclaim joy to the world and that it's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer. But what if inside we just don't feel like it's the happiest season of all? We inevitably bring our full selves with us to each holiday season. And the expression of our full selves includes all the messiness of our, our past and present, all the joy, hope and peace, but also all the pain, sorrow and tragedy. Unlike our usual type of address, I'm going to share some thoughts about Blue Christmas, which will then lead into a long responsive litany with an optional silent candle lighting ritual. I first came up with the idea for this service when speaking with a friend in the autumn time. This friend was telling me about a charity called Saying Goodbye, which hold nationwide memorial services for women and men who've lost a child during pregnancy, at birth, or in that child's infancy. Reading up on the founder's own story, she told of her and her husband putting on a brave face during Christmas time for their young daughter, whilst going through the tragedy of experiencing yet another miscarriage, the second one to happen around Christmas time. With Advent and the Christmas story about, being wait, about waiting for the baby Jesus to arrive, bringing hope and new life, her story highlighted for me how painful it can be for others at this time of the year who've had similar experiences. And in a wider context, how difficult Christmas can be for people generally in many different circumstances and for many different reasons. Our first reading by author Sue Towsend painted the picture of a wondrous Christmas, a joyful and magical time of having fun with family and relations, of it being a day apart from the rest of the year when people and their otherwise difficult circumstances are transformed in some way. Some of you might identify with that kind of Christmas, whether from childhood or Christmases now. And in that way, Christmas can be a wonderful time. For many people, it's the only time of year that a lot of their friends and relatives can get together due to time off from work and studying. So some really relish the social time that Christmas and New Year allows. However, for others... Christmas and New Year gives rise to a different experience. As Carl Gregg wrote in an online article which we heard in our second reading, when our emotions are drastically out of joint with the rest of society, 
It's not always clear how we should be or act, he says. He describes his own experience. Holiday music was playing in the background, but none of us felt particularly merry and bright. He went on to write, as quoted on your order of service, We inevitably bring our full selves with us into each new holiday season. And the expression of our full selves includes all the messiness of our past and present, all the joy, hope and peace, but also all the pain, sorrow and tragedy. And we do. According to Samaritan's own data for the UK, they took 198,000 telephone calls over Christmas last year. And with other charity and other charities are preparing their helplines for the influx of calls they'll receive in the run-up to Christmas and into the new year, from people dealing with issues that Christmas time and Christmas expectations magnify, such as financial stresses, job insecurity, grief and bereavement, loneliness and isolation, family pressures, and in the impact of health and other things. Some of you may have seen this year's John Lewis Christmas advert showing an elderly man living on the moon and receiving a telescope as a present. Looking through the telescope, he views the girl who brought the the telescope for him and people on Earth enjoying their Christmas day together. Personally, I find the advert a bit insensitive and I'd have preferred it if they'd have sent a space taxi to come and collect him. This advert has, however, highlighted the isolation and loneliness experienced by many elderly people at this time of the year and has inspired a group of mums in Northampton to invite local elderly people to their homes for Christmas dinner. Musical songs like Blue Christmas, made famous by Elvis Presley, and films such as A Christmas Carol, where I think Scrooge had the right to not celebrate Christmas and not be ridiculed for it. These things show that these feelings, wishes and issues have been part of the consciousness of mainstream society for a long time. However, public arenas where people could have these feelings acknowledged came later with blue Christmas church services. Exactly how much later is hard to say, as my research into the origins of blue Christmas services hasn't revealed much. However, there is an online reference from 1996, but it may have originated earlier. So if you know, please let me know. So currently, many Christian denominations throughout the world observe and hold a blue Christmas service during the Advent season, sometimes known as the longest night service when it's held on the winter solstice, which is the longest night. These services acknowledge that at this time of the year, people are especially reminded of what they've lost or what they've never had. And in a healing and connective way, they allow people to know that they truly are not alone. So we're going to take our own time now 
to acknowledge that we're not alone with some of these issues and feelings. With a Unitarian litany of comfort for Blue Christmas by Deborah Falk, which Jane kindly made me aware of. And it's written on your blue order of service sheet. If you look at the insert sheet, it's, it's about seven minutes long, and I'll read the verses, and I invite you to respond with the lines in bold at the end of each verse when I say, this season brings forth many feelings, then you respond. As we go through the litany, if you find that you relate to any of the issues and feelings mentioned or, or things that have been mentioned earlier in the service, such as grief and uncertainty or hopelessness at the state of the world, please come up and silently light a candle. We light the candles in silence so that everyone can feel comfortable participating without fear of having to reveal private or personal things. And the aim is for people to know that you're not alone with these thoughts and feelings at this festive time. And whether there are two candles lit or 22, the fact is you're not alone. When we come to the end of the litany, I'll say a couple of words to bring this ritual to an end. All around us, bright lights and merry messages, yet in our heart, not all is joyful. There is grief with the loss of relationships. Those we love no longer with us because of death. Those we loved who are estranged from us. Those we love yet experience a diminishment of intimacy. There is grief with the loss and change of relationship. Grief bittersweet for it is a consequence of the presence of love. This season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find some peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet in our heart, not all is joyful. There may be pain in our bodies, physical pain as a natural outcome of ageing. Physical pain that presents itself in illness Pain in the body that, reinf- that forces us to change and imposes limitations. Pain, bittersweet, for physical experience includes both pain and pleasure. And this season brings forth many feelings. Find comfort in naming these feelings. We find some peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet in our heart, not all is joyful. There may be anger and regret with the memories we hold. Anger with past experiences of hurt or abuse. Regret of our own actions that may have caused hurt to others. Anger that life has not turned out the way we imagined. Regret that we might have said or done. 
anger and regret, bittersweet, in presenting the possibility for healing and forgiveness. This season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find some peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet in our heart, not all is joyful. There may be uncertainty that accompanies transition and change. Uncertainty of what the future may bring with changes. Uncertainty of direction or purpose after retirement or change of vocation. Uncertainty when changing residence by choice or necessity. Uncertainty, bittersweet for change, a constant in life, lets us know we're alive and change along with this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and messages. Yet in our hearts, not all is joyful. There may be a sense of hopelessness. Hopelessness in the face of so much violence and suffering. Hopelessness with attempts to heal our aching world and ourselves. Hopelessness in witnessing what we have not managed to accomplish. Hopelessness, bittersweet, for its longing reminds us of our capacity to hope and the human spirit's tenacity and courage that rests deep within each of us as this, as this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find some peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet in our heart, not all is joyful. There is loneliness. Loneliness when we find ourselves alone after being long partnered. Loneliness when we are separated from loved ones. Loneliness when we move into a new community and struggle to find our way. Loneliness that never seems filled even with good company. Loneliness that is an ever-present aching in our heart. Loneliness, bittersweet, for it is felt only when we have known connectedness and this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find some peace in being together. All around us are bright lights and merry messages. Yet in our hearts, not all is joyful. We know grief and pain. We know anger and regret. We know hopelessness and loneliness. We know all these feelings. We name them. We live them for each is the human experience. That love presents us with the possibility of being hurt with the grief of loss. That connection holds the potential 
of loneliness and uncertainty. That forgiveness can begin to heal anger and regret. That being alive is a courageous act in which we engage all of our emotions and this season brings forth many feelings. We find comfort in naming these feelings. We find some peace in being together. May we find comfort and peace in our togetherness and an inner light to see us through. So may it be. Amen. Although we part from our time of worship, let us not lose the connection we have found here, the connection with ourselves, the connection with others, the connection with something greater than us. Let us hold on to this time in the coming week ahead and allow its memory to nourish our hearts enrich our minds and nurture our spirits, inspiring love to truly guide us on our way. Go in peace and blessed be. Amen.